0: Welcome to the podcast. All right, solo podcast number two. Figured the first one didn't go terribly, so I'd give it a shot again. Taking a little bit of time today to talk about how I think that the COVID-19 pandemic has allowed the opportunity for the game to change. And I think change for the better. Um, What the pandemic has done, uh, obviously there's everything that negative that goes with it, but I tend to be a bit of an optimist, um, probably to a fault. I like to focus on the positives. And one big positive that I have seen out of this pandemic, it it has allowed the um, opportunity for change because clients are needing to be more Willing to adapt, they had COVID has created a, a significant amount of pressure on everybody to be able to basically find a quote unquote new normal, and what that has done uh, in the veterinary world, and specifically here at Paw Health, is it, it has highlighted two things about how. Um, Basically, our process is kind of being edified through this, but also opportunities for other clinics to utilize um, some of our ideas in a time when change is going to be more accepted. Really wanted to focus on two areas on how uh, COVID has really shown that our process works pretty well and some ideas for some folks that might be listening on how they can adapt their process as well. One is going to be focused on availability, Uh, And the second is going to be how the pandemic has reset the exam and consultation standard and basically how we are communicating with clients and then ultimately their patients receiving care. Um, So focusing first on availability. um, As you guys are aware, Paw Health is a uh, 24-hour triage-based clinic. Basically, people walk in the door, their patients receive care, it's all done in a way where critical patients are, you know, kind of handled first, and then stable patients in order of arrival. That is not the standard of veterinary care, kind of across the board, but especially where we are located. In Wisconsin, um, outside of the Milwaukee area, there are four 24-hour clinics throughout the entire state. We are just one that is basically the most central and the most north, but regardless, the concept of availability has led us in this environment to um, realize some pretty ridiculous growth in terms of um, clients and and patients that ultimately have been served. Um, la- comparing last year, which last year was a very busy year, but nothing compared to this year, um, we are up roughly 60% in total patients uh, and clients here at PAW Health, which um, on the grand, in the grand scheme of things is again, an unbelievable amount of growth. Um, you know, typically my understanding is most businesses kind of beg and plead for about 5% growth. that's pretty pretty fantastic. And the concept of availability and just basically not saying no when people want to come in and receive care for their patient, has led us to this exponential increase uh, across the board. Every single day, 5 pm hits, and there is a rush of patients, clients. The phone doesn't stop ringing. And it's, it's always busy at night. Every single day. It really doesn't matter what's happening at this point. Every single day, we are having at least 40 patients roll, uh, come in and out of our our process or our, our clinic to receive care. It has really illustrated to how buyer behavior is changing. So, again, considering the... Um, Considering the competitive landscape, let's let's kind of take this as a whole. The overwhelming majority of clinics in our area are going to be your eight to five or um, eight to seven, like one day a week clinics. They are all schedule based and all, everybody at this point has gone full curbside and we'll get to that one here in a minute. But with the scheduling process and um, just limited availability on time, the next thing that happens is they refer um, the clients and patients that can't be seen within the limitations of their process to us here at PAW. Why do they do that? The patient needs care, and they know we won't say no. And although it can be very, very stressful for us um, in terms of a workload to have that mindset, to have that process, again, it has led to um, us being able to serve so many more patients. That's ultimately the goal, and from that, it has also allowed us to grow substantially. Um, I think in the last year, we have netted about 15 additional staff. And again, that's 60% growth in clients and patients as well. Um, And with that too, so I I take another step back and I say, okay, well, why are these um, clients and patients showing up here besides they can't go to their regular vet? Well, the other thing is that Clients are calling the clinics when they are available. Um, COVID has obviously created a significant financial stress. We haven't realized what 2008 was by any stretch of the imagination. People still have money to spend um but what it has done is it's really covid has shown that buyer behavior has significantly changed where people are making these decisions not necessarily based on expense but they're making it based on lost income or just basically opportunity expense for my uh, uh, economists out there and so you focus on that and it's really not just about money out Honestly, we don't really have, like, um, I think overall, we're probably a little bit more expensive, not so substantially that it's unaffordable uh, for some of our folks. There's just the additional expense of being 24 hours um, and having the additional people that, you know, to help provide care for these patients. But overall, um, really what it is, is we don't have people that are necessarily saying no just because of the, the money out. They're really focused on being here at a time that works for them, even if it is for a little bit of a longer time sometimes, but we'll get to that here in a second as well. It's really about not, don't, not just focusing on the money out, but also the loss of money in. I personally call it personal expense. Personal expense is gonna be focused on finances and it's gonna be focused on time. If you can limit the overall financial impact, obviously that's big. What we do here, you know, we have our standards of, of invoicing, estimating, that sort of stuff, but we also have different financial options in terms of you know, deferred interest uh, through third party creditors. We've got wellness plans. We've got all sorts of different stuff in house here that we allow to limit the financial impact on the home, but also from a, I really think that the thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the time element. The amount of time that it takes to get into a clinic is a massive one. The scheduling protocols that exist in the majority of these day practices are significantly impacting their ability to see and treat patients. Um, And it's all because of not only they're booked, but also people don't have time to wait. Um, that amount of time that they're being stressed out at home, worried about their pets, worried about kind of their well-being people don't they don't want to wait anymore. Um, you know we've we've kind of seen that one coming. It's the quote unquote instant gratification, but I think this one's from a little bit more of a better place than some other uh, some other reasonings, but that idea of like see a need, fill a need is completely obliterated by these scheduling protocols um, that are in place at your standard uh, day practices. So then you come here and then for us, what we really focus on is limiting the time expense not only in clinic, I call that boring time, Um, But also just limiting the time away from their family, away from income generation. We've got a whole bunch of different processes. If somebody's got to be at work and their patient needs care, have grandma bring it in, have your son bring it in. That's fine. Um, time away from family. You know, one of the cool things that COVID has really done too, and I'll get into it here a little bit with resetting the consultation standard, it's allowed people the opportunity to not actually just have to be here at all. They, They can have their patients be in hospital here. We can do pretty much everything over the phone. They don't have to be here. But it's really, again, focused on personal expense of financial stuff, but also time, And if you can be available, it limits that time expense substantially. It makes people a a lot happier um, to receive care when they can be done within a time frame that works for them. Uh, The second thing that COVID's done is it has allowed us to reset the standard of our examination and consultation process. Um, We've alluded to it in the past on the podcast, but we, uh, pandemic or none, we have a standard patient separation process. Every patient, when they enter our clinic, immediately enters tr- our triage area. They are evaluated by our medical staff, and then they are housed safely in an appropriate area, depending on their condition, uh, stability, um, is all, all that sort of stuff. Very, very different from pretty much every uh, other clinic that I'm aware of where the patient is uh, stays with the caregiver, uh, the entire duration of the visit. Um, examinations and all that sort of stuff are done in the room with the caregiver. And COVID has said, nope, we're not going to do that anymore. Biosecurity became much more important um, over the, uh, essentially the emotional comfort of the caregiver. And I personally, I think that's a good thing. Um, obviously, focusing on biosecurity is huge. Being as safe as we can during this is obviously pretty imperative. But also, um, it's all made people more comfortable with patient separation purely out of necessity. Maybe they don't like it, but it's what it's done is it said, hey, you can still trust us as veterinary care providers, even if you don't see what's going on. There's not a necessity for you as a caregiver to watch a physical examination happen. There's not a necessity for you to be within arm's reach if not holding your patient for the entire time that they are at the vet. Now, I'm not saying every clinic is going to change to a full patient separation process within their clinic, but if you are finding that your results in communication with caregivers has improved since implementing full curbside, well, that might be why. It's because they're listening to you. They're not just looking at their patient and, and half focusing on what's happening. So really, honestly, like for me, it's like, well, just don't go back. Whether you do curbside or no, um, Which curbside, who knows how long that's going to have to be around. But like once everything's sort of back to normal, just maintain the patient separation process if you find it to be effective for your clinic in the way that you communicate. Obviously, not for everybody. The other thing, too, is again, we are triage based. So, with that, um, patients enter our triage area, we get folks checked in, they go back outside. And then with that, with the amount of time that is sometimes necessary for patients to receive care, you know, with wait times, all that sort of stuff, like this last weekend, you know, we were about probably about a four-hour time frame between arrival and consultation for stable patients, kind of a regular weekend, honestly. Um, I just told people to leave. Like, (laughs) go do something with your Saturday. Go do something with your Sunday. You know, go Christmas shopping. It's that time of year. Um, just make sure your phone's on you because we're going to do everything over the phone, anyways. At this point, I don't need you to sit here and be bored because when you're bored, you're going to start to get mad, and then you're just going to not like me. Take the opportunity to go do whatever you were going to do with your Saturday or Sunday. Allow us the opportunity to care for your patient. We can kind of hit two things at once, and then ultimately that that was probably the biggest thing that I found in actually the care that's provided for these patients actually improving. Now, again, I don't work in our treatment area. I work up front. I work with caregivers and just communication, making sure that they understand process, getting them updates, all that sort of stuff. But when the curbside and over the phone process was really implemented here and done so in in a good way, the the volume uh, and quality of care that was provided or uh, I should say authorized by the caregivers for these patients seemed to go up a little bit. We were able to do a little bit more because they were really pleased with what was going on. And again, that goes to that personal expense thing. There's only so much money that they're going to spend. I understand that, but if time is uh, is really hammering at the budget, if they're spending their time being bored in clinic. Ultimately, what that does is it limits the overall personal expense budget. It doesn't really let them have the—I uh, shouldn't say it—they they still can, but t- generally, as a buyer behavior thing, they're going to be willing to spend a little bit less because of the amount of time that they have "quote unquote" wasted in clinic. So, just do both. Do you know have the opportunity to receive care? on a same day basis, but also limit the boring time or the amount of uh, income lost or the amount of time away from their family um, while you're in the middle of that process. You can do both. And we've actually found that it works really, really well. This last weekend, I think in and out um, Saturday and Sunday, we had somewhere around 70 patients. uh, Actually, it was a little bit more than that. Um that were, you know, came in, they received care, and everyone except for one, I believe at this point again, it's Monday, have been discharged. One is hospitalized uh, as a leftover. But really, it's a process that works. And with those with that increased availability, it has also allowed us again that opportunity to expand. Why do we want to expand? It has really nothing to do with the uh, financial gain. It's really about serve the patient. The more that we can maximize on these processes, the more patients we can serve. That's why we all got into this. Yes. Are there other things that go with it? Absolutely. But all of that is a tool to allow us to serve more patients. So what do you kind of need? You know, these are some of the, the assumptions that I have about what is necessary to make this happen. One, you got to have staff that can handle biz, uh, hours that are outside of your business hours. It's not easy for everybody. That's probably one of the biggest hurdles I think a lot of people um, have in their expansion out into more availability is they just have people that they're, they're booked at six o'clock that work at the clinic, whatever it might be. Um, that is a, that is definitely a hurdle that I understand, but the more that you can understand the value that you're able to provide patients in to, to the individual patients that are there, but also to more patients in general is the first step in understanding how people are going to adjust their schedules to be more available outside of their business hours. Second thing is a willingness to make mistakes. Now this one is one that um, I know that we've hit on quite a bit, but this is more focused on triage. Um, Triage is hard. (laughs) I don't run triage, but I observe it. I understand it, and I know that there are. It is it is a never ending puzzle of things and variables and people and patients that. It's, it's stressful, it's difficult, and you're going to screw it up. It doesn't matter how good you are at it, um, how much experience you have. Everybody makes mistakes on it, and you just have to be willing to just know that that's going to happen and muscle through it when they do. You know, Apologize when necessary, but keep pushing forward because every time that you make a mistake, notice it, and then just figure out how to not make it happen again. For us, it's turned into a the, a card system that I really wanna have, or I'm going to have uh, Dr. Riolo go over because he's the guy that kind of invented it. He Again, he's been running triage for 15 years. And with that system, it's allowed communication to improve greatly Um, in understanding where each of these individual cases lies within our triage order, what is the highest priority, all the way down to what is our lowest priority. So stay tuned for that, obviously subscribe, uh, so that you guys can catch that when that does come out. Um, But again, that was a system that was developed through trial and error, and trial and error, and trial and error, and honestly, it's not done yet. There are still things that we need to teach our own staff on, uh, processes that need to be ultimately changed, written, whatever it is, but we're not going to be afraid of it because we know that the more that we improve, the more patients we can serve. The third assumption to these changes or necessity, I should say, is to have a dedicated caregiver-focused staff. That could be one person, two, three, But whatever it is, these people need to be focused entirely on caregivers understanding the modifications to your process and what they can expect in terms of time frame, communication overall, the process um, and, and the varying stages of it and how their patient is doing in a general sense got the specific rules we got to live by where vets are the, you know, the the only people that can provide really significant updates for caregivers. But that doesn't mean that these caregivers have to be completely in the dark in between their uh, arrival time and consultation. If you go four hours in the dark, those people, I mean, they're just not going to like you. It doesn't matter how good of a doctor you are, how good your medical staff is, all that sort of stuff, you take their patient away from them for four hours and you don't tell them what's happening, even if it's not a whole lot, keeping them in the dark is the fastest way to just have people that just aren't going to like your process. So having staff that is focused on caregiver communication is massively important. I I'm biased. That's what I'm. That's what I do. I'm pretty good at it, um, but it took me a long time to figure it out too. And that the role itself of caregiver support staff here at PAW is one that has been moving and shifting um, in in ways, especially in the last couple of years. Um, into, again, a very, very important role, but also kind of adapting um, the way that we're talking with people, implementing new processes to make it easier for folks to understand what our process is when they're here and really just allowing them a glimpse uh, as caregivers into what is occurring in us, obviously in a safe way and just keeping them updated along the way. Um, Again, just don't leave these people in the dark, especially, um, you know, that, that, that in-between time between when they are, get there and the first time they talk to one of your doctors. Because if it, if it extends past what their time expense budget is, you've already lost. The last thing is going to be that willingness to enact and maintain pa- patient separation. I understand that this is a tough change. Number one, if you don't have the infrastructure in terms of physical space, it becomes very difficult. Um, You know, for us, we've been, I I should say, we we earned it, I should say, but always have had a clinic setting where patient separation is relatively easy. Um, But, and also, I should say, it's also tough for caregivers, you know, if they have been used to that at your clinic for the last 25 years. Maybe it's just not something that is feasible for you. Also, your comfortability with maintaining patients in your treatment area the whole time that they're there. Whatever, honestly, everyone does this probably in their own separate way. But the one thing I do want to touch on is I recently did a, interviews with our three new doctors. And in asking them kind of what about our process um, allowed them the opportunity to succeed the most that was the one thing that all three of them pointed towards was patient separation. It allowed them an opportunity to have a safe environment to grow and um, you know, continue to improve in their skill sets. When Now, I've never done this, but I can empathize with those that are fresh out of school. They've done, obviously, patient physical evaluations, but this is the first time that they're in a room by themselves with a client, with their patient, and they're going through the steps, and now they're having to talk to somebody, and there's no safety net. There's none of that, and I can't imagine the amount of stress that that puts on an individual that's 24 to 30 years old, having just gotten out of vet school, and is. You know, it's, it's hard enough to do that, um, let alone if you have somebody breathing down your neck. So if you're looking to grow, especially in um, recruiting new veterinarians, patient separation can actually be something that you highlight as a positive in your process that mu- will allow them the opportunity to grow a little bit more safely. In summary, though, um, COVID has created a lot of pressure. Uh, that is really creating an opportunity for change. Clients now, they're more willing to accept change than ever before. They might not like it, but they've basically started to have to, they've had to develop these habits that they are now accepting change. So why not capitalize it? Because if you can modify your process to, Allow more care to be provided to patients in a time frame that works for caregivers, limiting their personal expense. They are going to be more thankful than ever to receive care from you for their patients. Honestly, opportunity is knocking. Why not take a, why not take advantage of it? Uh, thanks again for kind of tuning in. I'm probably going to keep doing these things. So if you guys have any thoughts or any ideas on what you think, uh, you'd like me to talk about, please throw them in the comments, obviously subscribe, like, share, whatever it is y'all do with your social media and all that. Um, I'll have Dr. Carlo in here on Wednesday. Um, we're going to be touching a little bit on, um, again, our triage system, but also on kind of the influence of corporate medicine, um, and kind of how we don't like it. So stay tuned for that. Take care.